Chapter Twelve of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve. There are periods in the life of every man during which accidents, misadventures, annoyances, even if they be not of too great magnitude, are of service to him. When, from within or from without, some dark vapour has risen up, clouding the sunlight and casting the soul into darkness when remorse or despair or bitter disappointment or satiety or the dark pall of grief has overshadowed all things and left us in a sort of twilight where we see every surrounding object in gloom we bless the gale even though it be violent that arises to sweep the tempest cloud from our sky still greater is the relief when anything of a gentler and happier kind comes along with the breeze that dispels the mists and darkness like a sun-gleam through a storm and the little accident which had occurred and the escape from danger did a great deal to rouse the duke of orleans from a sort of apathetic heaviness which had hung upon him for the last two or three days dinner had been prepared for him at the great inn at juvisy but with one of those whims in which high and mighty princes indulged frequently in those days he paused before the gates of the old abbey on the left-hand side of the road saying in a low tone to jean charost but with a gay smile we will go in and dine with the good fathers they are somewhat famous for their cheer and it must be about the dinner hour the little crowd of attendants had followed slowly behind their princely master leaving the distance of a few paces between him and them for reverence's sake and he now beckoned up lomellini and told him to go forward and let the household dine adding we will dine at the abbey how many shall remain with your highness asked lomellini with a profound bow none signor replied the duke none but monsieur de bracy go on i would be incognito and turning up the path he struck the bell at the gates with the iron hammer that hung beside it now de bracy he said in a light and careless tone very different from any his young companion had ever heard him use before here we forget our names and dignities i am louis valois and you jean charost and there are no titles of honour between us some of the good friars may have seen me and perhaps know me but they will take the hint and forget all about me till i am gone i would fain see them without their frocks for a while it would serve to divert my thoughts from sadder things with a slow and faltering step and mumbling something apparently not very pleasant as he came an old monk walked down to the grille or iron gate of the convent with the keys in his hand indeed but an evident determination not to use them except in case of necessity seeing two strangers standing at the gate he first spoke with them through the bars and it required some persuasion to induce him to open and let them pass although to say sooth the duke's announcement that he came to ask the hospitality of the refectory was spoken more as a command than a petition notwithstanding the air of easy familiarity with which he sought to give it well well come in he said at length i have nothing to do with it but to open and shut the door the people within will tell you whether you can eat with them or not they eat enough themselves god what and drink too but they are not over fond of sharing with those they don't know except through the buttery hole 
or the east wicket and there it is only what they can't eat themselves ay we had difficult times of it when abbot jerome was alive before the long fit of grumbling was at an end the duke of orleans and his young companion were at the inner door of the building and a little bell ringing from a distant corner gave notice that the midday meal of the monks was about to begin come along come along jean said the duke seeming to participate in the eagerness with which several monks were hurrying along in one direction they say the end of a feast is better than the beginning of a fray but to say the truth the beginning is the best part of either on they went no one stopped them no one said a word to them the impulse of a very voracious appetite was upon the great body of the monks and deprived them of all inclination to question the strangers till they were actually at the door of the refectory where a burly barefooted fellow barred the way and demanded what they wanted a dinner answered the duke of orleans with a laugh you are hospitable friars are you not the man gazed at him for a moment without reply but with a very curious expression of countenance ran his eye over the duke's apparel which though by no means very splendid was marked by all the peculiar fopperies of high station then gave a glance at jean charost and then replied in a much altered tone we are sir but it so happens that to-day my lord abbot has visitors who dine here doubtless he will not refuse you hospitality if you let him know who it is demands it he has with him monsieur and madame giac and their train high persons at the court of burgundy who shall i say are here two poor simple gentlemen in need of a dinner replied the duke in a careless tone louis valois and jean charost by name but make haste good brother or the pottage will be cold the man retired into the refectory the door of which was continually opening and shutting as the monks passed in and jean charost who stood a little to the right of the duke could see the monk hurry forward toward a gay party already seated at the head of one of the long tables and the abbot in the midst he returned in a few seconds with another monk and ushered the duke and his young companion straight up to the table of the abbot an elderly man of, of jovial aspect who seemed a little confused and embarrassed he rose sat down again rose once more and advanced a step or two the duke of orleans met him half-way with a meaning smile and a few words passed in a low tone the import of which jean charost did not hear the duke however immediately after moved to a vacant seat some way down the table and beckoned jean charost to take a place beside him the young secretary obeyed and had a full opportunity before a somewhat long grace was ended of scanning the faces of the guests who sat above him on the abbot's right hand was a gentleman of some forty years of age gaily dressed but of a countenance by no means prepossessing cold calculating yet harsh and next to him was placed a young girl of some thirteen or fourteen years of age not at that time particularly remarkable for her beauty but yet with an expression of countenance which once seen was not easily to be forgotten that expression is difficult to be described but it possessed that which as far as we can judge from very poor and not very certain portraits was much wanting in the countenances of most french women of the day 
there was soul in it a look blending thought and feeling with much firmness and decision even about the small beautiful mouth but a world of soft tenderness in the eyes on the other side of the abbot sat a gay and beautiful lady in the early prime of life with her face beaming with twitching smiles and jean charost could not help thinking he saw a very meaning glance pass between the duke of orleans and herself no one at the table indeed openly recognized the prince and although the young secretary had little doubt that his royal master was known to more than one there present it was clear that the great body of the monks were ignorant that he was among them the fare upon the table did not by any means belie the reputation of the convent delicate meats well cooked fish in abundance and of various kinds game of every sort the country produced and wine of exceedingly delicate flavour showed how completely field forest tank and vineyard were laid under tribute by the good friars of juvisy nor did the monks seem to mortify their tongues more than the rest of their bodies merriment revelry sometimes wit sometimes buffoonery and conversation often profane and often obscene ran along the table without any show of reverence for ears that might be listening the young man had heard of such things but had hardly believed the tale and not a little scandalized was he in his simplicity at all he saw and heard that which confounded him more than all the rest however was the demeanour of the duke of orleans he did not know how often painful feelings and sensations take refuge in things the most opposite to themselves how grief will strive to drown itself in the flood of revelry how men strive to sweeten the cup of pain with the wild honey drops of pleasure from the first moment of his introduction to the duke up to that hour he had seen him under but one aspect he had been grave sad thoughtful gloomy health itself had seemed affected by some secret sorrow and now everything was changed in a moment he mingled gaily lightly in the conversation gave back jest for jest with flashing repartee encouraged and shared in the revelry around him and drank liberally although there was a glowing spot in his cheek which seemed to say there was a fire within which wanted no such feeding the characters around would bear a long description for monastic life begun generally when habits of thought were fixed had not the power ascribed by a great orator to education of dissolving the original characters of men and recrystallizing them in a different form at one part of the table there was a rude broad jester rolling his fat body within his wide gown and laughing riotously at his own jokes at a little distance sat the keen bright satirist full of flashes of wit and sarcasm but as fond of earthly pleasures as all the rest and a little nearer was the man of sly quiet humour as grave as a judge himself but causing all around him to roar with laughter the abbot overflowing with the good things of this life and enjoying them still with undiminished powers notwithstanding the sixty years and more which had passed over his head was evidently well accustomed to the somewhat irreverent demeanour of his refectory and probably might not have relished his dinner without the zest of its jokes certain it is at all events though his own parlour was a more comfortable room 
and universal custom justified his dining in solitude he was seldom absent at the hour of dinner and only abstained from being present at supper likewise lest he should hear and see more than could be well passed over in safety when the meal was at an end however the abbot rose and inviting his lay guests to his own particular apartments left his monks to conduct the exercises of the afternoon as they might think fit with his cross-bearer before him he led the way followed by the rest in the order which the narrowness of the passages compelled them to take and jean charost found himself coupled for the time with the young girl he had seen on the opposite side of the table he was too much of a frenchman to hesitate for a moment in addressing her for in that country silence in a woman's society is generally supposed to proceed either from awkwardness or rudeness she answered with as little constraint and they were in the full flow of conversation when they entered a well-tapestried room which though large in itself seemed small after the great hall of the refectory the abbot and the nobleman who had sat by his side in whom jean charost recognized the monsieur de giac whom he had seen by torchlight in the streets of paris were already talking to each other with some eagerness while the duke of orleans followed a step or two behind conversing in low tones with the beautiful lady who had sat upon the abbot's other hand gay and light seemed their conference and both laughed and both smiled and both whispered but not apparently from any reverence for the persons or place around them but no one took any notice Monsieur de giac was very blind to his wife's coquetry and the abbot was well accustomed to the feat of shutting his eyes without dropping his eyelids nay he seemed to think the merriment hardly sufficient for the occasion for he ordered more wines to be brought and those the most choice and delicate of his cellar with various preserved fruits gently to stimulate the throat to deeper potations not very reverent said jean charost in answer to some observation of the young lady shortly after they entered while the rest remained scattered about in different groups i wonder if every monastery throughout france is like this very like indeed answered his fair companion with a smile surely this is not the first religious house you have ever visited the first of its kind replied jean charost i have been offered in the black friars at bourges but their rule is somewhat more austere or more austerely practised poor people said the girl it is to be hoped there is a heaven for their sakes these good folks seem to think themselves well enough where they are without going further but in sorry truth all monasteries are very much like this those that i have seen at least and nunneries asked jean charost somewhat better she answered with a sigh whatever faults women may have they are not such coarse ones as we have seen here to-night but i know not much about them for i have been long enough in one only to judge of it rightly and now i feel like a bird with its prison doors unclosed because i am going to join the court of the queen of anjou that does not speak ill of the nunnery methinks who knows if they revelled as loud and high there as here but i might have loved to remain i think not answered her young companion if i may judge by your face at dinner you seemed not to smile on the revels of the monks they made my head ache answered the girl 
and then abruptly so you are an observer of faces are you what think you of that face speaking with the abbot nay he may be your father brother or any near relation answered jean charost i shall not speak till i know more oh he is nothing to me replied the girl he is my noble lord of giac who does me the great honour with my lady his wife of conveying me to beaugency where we shall overtake the queen of anjou his face would not curdle milk nor turn wine sour but yet there is something in it not of honey exactly he seems to leave all the honey to his fair lady replied jean charost yes to catch flies with replied the girl and then she added in a lower tone and he is the spider to eat them the wine and the preserved fruits had by this time been placed upon a large marble table in the centre of the hall and a fair sight they made with the silver flagons and the gold and jewelled cups spread out upon that white expanse beneath the grey and fretted arches overhead while on the several groups around in their gay apparel and the abbot in his robes standing by the table with a serving brother at his side the many-coloured light shone strongly through the window of painted glass here's to you noble sir whom i am to call louis valois and to your young friend jean charost said the abbot bowing to the duke and raising a cup he had just filled i pray you do me justice in this excellent wine of nuit i will but sip my lord replied the duke taking up a cup i have drunk enough already somewhat to heat me nay nay good gentleman cried the fair lady with whom he had been talking let me fill for you drink fair with the lord abbot for very shame or i will inform the duke of orleans who passes here they say to-day the last words were uttered with a meaning smile but the duke let her pour the wine out for him drank it down and then with a graceful inclination to the company took a step toward the door saying the duke of orleans has gone by madam at least his train passed us while we were at the gates my lord abbot i give you a thousand thanks for your hospitality ladies all farewell and then passing madame de giac he added in a whisper which reached however the ears of jean charost who was following in paris then the lady made no answer with her lips but her eyes spoke sufficiently and to the thoughts of jean charost somewhat too much the serving brother opened the door of the parlour for the guests to pass out and he had not yet closed it when the name of the duke of orleans was repeated from more than one voice within and a merry peal of laughter followed the duke hastened his steps holding the arm of his young companion and though the smile still lingered on his lips for a while yet before they had reached the gate of the convent it had passed away gradually he fell into a fit of deep thought which lasted till they nearly descended to juvisy then however he roused himself and said with an abrupt laugh i sometimes think men of pleasure are mad de bracy i think so too your highness replied jean charost the duke started and looked suddenly in his face but all was calm and simple there and after a moment's silence the prince rejoined too true my young friend too true a lucid interval often comes upon them full of high purposes and good resolves they see light and truth and reality for a few short hours when suddenly some accident 
some trifle brings the fit again and all is darkness and delusion delirious dreams and actions of a madman i have heard of a bridge built of broken porcelain and such is the life of a man of pleasure the bridge over which his course lies from time to eternity is built of broken resolutions and himself the architect a frail structure my lord by which to reach heaven replied jean charost and methinks some strong beams across would make us surer of even reaching earthly happiness where can one find them asked the duke in a strong will answered jean charost the duke mused for a moment or two and then suddenly changed the conversation saying who was the girl you were speaking with in truth your highness i do not know replied jean charost she said that she was going under the escort of monsieur and madame de giac to beaugency oh then i know replied the duke it is the fair agnes whom my good aunt talked about they say she has a wit quite beyond her years did you find it so i cannot tell replied jean charost for i do not know her age she seemed to me quite a girl and yet spoke like one who thought much and deeply you were well matched said the duke gaily and in the same moment some of his attendants came up and the conversation stopped for a time End of chapter twelve